Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We return to the Superman family in this week's episode of the Earth 2 podcast. We are doing a story from issue 383 of Adventure Comics, which was published on the 26th of June, 1969. Pete, would you like to tell everyone about the gorgeous Neil Adams cover? How many Neil Adams covers have we had so far, David? I'm glad you asked me that question because I do not have my book open, so I'm going to have to open my book now. <laughs> Last week's JLA 74 was the first. So this is the 16th. I have an immediate observation to make about the cover, but I'll save that until you finish your description. Okay. So first of all, at the top, we have Supergirl starring in Adventure Comics. And there's a Supergirl standing literally on the caption. Mm. But the main cover is... Supergirl bursting into a church. Everyone's in mourning. It's a funeral. Mm. And Jimmy Olsen is there and he's saying, Poor Supergirl. How tragic that she died so young. And with Jimmy's Lucy Lane in front of them is Perry White. On another side of the aisle is Clark Kent. And behind Clark are Lois and Lana. Mm. Gosh. My immediate observation is Perry White looks like Neil Adams, as I've got used to seeing him recently before we lost him. (laughs) So, there we go. Mm, Interesting. Supergirl looks forward and she sees a coffin with a big wreath around it and a picture of her on it. And the words, rest in peace, Supergirl. Yes. And there's a minister at the front reading from a Bible. Supergirl reacts going, no, Jimmy Clark, I'm alive. They can't feel me, hear me. I don't exist. Yeah, she's putting her hand on each of their shoulders and they're not reacting. No. It must be quite terrifying for her. And there's a caption at the bottom that says, Please stop my funeral. Please stop my funeral sounds like the sort of Whitehall farce that would get a readout over the, the end credits of something like Are You Being Served or Heidi High or something in the, yeah, doesn't it? on BBC One Ladies. Simon mm. Callow was appearing in Please Stop My Funeral at the Theatre Royal, Drury Lane. That sort of thing. Definitely, yes. I can imagine. And I would sit there thinking, I want to go and see all of these plays. Maybe that's why I like going to the theatre in London so much. <laughs> it's a very interesting cover. It immediately as well as my Neil Adams association, it put me immediately in mind of another story from another, not even another comic, from somewhere else entirely, but I'll talk about that much later on. So we're going to jump straight into the story. We don't have an opening splash, but we have an opening page. The first panel has the Supergirl logo, and we're up in the air with Supergirl. She's looking down at a coffin being borne by six men, one of whom is Batman, one of whom is Robin, one of whom is Clark Kent, one of whom is Jimmy Olsen, one of whom looks a bit like Perry White, might be him, one of whom... I'm thinking in my head that it's Steve Lombard, but it probably isn't. He probably hasn't been invented yet. Could it be Dick Malvern? Who? Dick Malvern? Who's that then? I can't... Oh, yeah, brings a vague bell, but I don't really know exactly who he is. Yeah, on-off boyfriend of Supergirl. Right, okay, it's possible. We'll see if he pops up and gets a line. And as she looks down on this little procession, Supergirl says, Put down that coffin! I'm not in it! Interesting. It should be said that there's a wreath on top of the coffin, but there isn't a photograph of Supergirl like there was on the cover. Panel 2 shows the coffin being placed into the back of a hearse very easily. It must be said by Clark, Jimmy and Batman. I've been a pallbearer, listeners. Coffins are very heavy. (laughs) I think Clark must be doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. (laughs) From her vantage point, Supergirl observes this and she says, 
Don't load it in that hearse. Can't you hear me? And the larger panel that runs out this opening page shows the procession of funeral cars heading off down the road. Supergirl's still up in the air watching them go and she says, This is insane. You can't go to the cemetery and bury an empty casket. I'm not dead. Please, Please. stop. Stop, Stop my, my funeral. funeral! There we go. She's advertising that popular West End farce there. Please stop my funeral. Terrific. So, imagine a doodly-doo, doodly-doo, as we arrive at page two, and we go a little bit further back into events to find out what's going on. The caption for the first panel on page two says, At Linda Danvers History Class at Stanhope College. Linda Danvers, we should describe as brunette with short hair, a green Alice band, hair band, wearing a green shirt. A few other pupils in front of her. There's a teacher at the front of the class. The teacher's speaking and saying, Miss Danvers, why was the case of Marbury versus Madison important? And Miss Danvers replies, Because it was the first time the Supreme Court ruled a law passed by Congress to be unconstitutional. Chief Justice Marshall in this decision stated that a law repugnant to the Constitution is void. Interesting. Panel 2, caption says, After the bell rings. We're outside the classroom now. Linda's chatting to her pal. Her pal says, History's not my bag. It's all about dead people. What could they teach us, Linda? I know what would send you into orbit, Pam. A history of the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A reference to She Loves You in 1969. Missing out everything since, and especially when Abbey Road had either been published or was imminent. That's very, very odd. Perhaps writer Robert Kaniger has only just discovered the Beatles. <laughs> yes. Well, but we all know that Eddie's finger on the pulse, didn't he? <laughs> Caption for panel three then says, Later, Linda changes into her secret identity of Supergirl in a secret room beneath an abandoned smokestack at Stanhope. An abandoned smokestack at Stanhope is my favourite Bruce Springsteen album. So, we see Supergirl flying out of the aforementioned abandoned smokestack, and she thinks, Mission Control Centre at Cape Kennedy asked me to keep an eye out for Apollo 15. That capsule will splash down at the Atlantic today. And the astronauts may need help if the weather kicks up. I wonder if Peter has looked up the actual dates of Apollo 15 if there was one. Yes, Apollo 15 mm-hmm. was a mission that went from the 26th of July to the 7th of August 1971. And it was the ninth crewed mission in the United States Apollo program and the fourth to land on the moon. Well, that's quite interesting. Supergirl's two years ahead. Terrific. Panel mm-hmm. four's caption says... But no mission is too small for the Girl of Steel. Yes, Supergirl is pausing her flight because she's overflowing a little park. Because she's heard a little girl who's upset. Little girl's crying. Little girl says, My, my eye! It hurts! Something got in it! And Supergirl alights, she says. Don't rub it. That's the worst thing you can do. Wise words, listeners. Don't rub it. The caption for panel five says, Inhaling her vacuum breath with the skill of a surgeon, Supergirl draws the speck of dust from the child's eye. Yes, there's a nice woof sound effect as we see Supergirl inhaling. And the little girl's smiling already as we see the tiny, well, it's actually quite a large speck of dust (laughs) (laughs) flying towards Supergirl's open mouth. Little girl says, it's out. Thank you, Supergirl. Thank you. Now, I hope Supergirl was careful there. Imagine she overdid it and sucked the girl's entire skull inside out. Wouldn't that be horrible? Or or eyeball out. Yeah. Or her brain. Horrible. The final panel of page two is a caption that says, Again, the maid of might continues on her flashing flight. Cracking shot, Supergirl. Hurtling through the sky, and we can see the little lunar module in front of her, and she thinks. There's the spacecraft, but it's not descending. It's being yanked toward that big cloud. Gosh, the first panel then of page three says. The Stanhope Sensations X-ray Vision reveals. 
A cracking panel actually here as we see Supergirl flying towards this giant big cloud that she mentioned and her x-ray vision reveals a sort of green robotic looking device with extended metal arms, look a bit like Dalek appendages, that are radiating little waves of what looks like magnetic interference to draw in the Apollo element. Supergirl, using her x-ray vision, clocks all this and she thinks, A hostile unmanned UFO pulling a space snatch. She takes action in the next panel. You see her eyes lighten up, the red burst of energy. She melts the robot arm and she thinks, My heat vision is melting the UFO's kidnap clamps. That will put an end to its attempt to abduct our latest Apollo space shots. I hope so. However, in panel three, there is a massive burst of reddish pink energy and a colossal RAM sound effect. Supergirl looks like she's been struck and she thinks, Great meteors! I guess my heat vision triggered a self-destruct mechanism in the spaceship to destroy all evidence of its origin. Gosh, the next panel's fantastic. Who drew this story, Pizzi? Do we have that info? J. Winslow Mortimer. Okay, good. Mortimer's done a great job of making Supergirl look very disorientated. There's lots of wavy lines all around her. She's waving her hands. It's almost like she's dizzy, her head's spinning. And she says out loud, Phew, what a blast! It almost sent me out of this world, but... I'm A-OK now. So, a caption leads us into the final panel of page three. Seconds later, while passing over Metropolis on our way back to Stanhope. It's an interesting panel. We can see Supergirl up in the sky in the background of the panel. In the foreground is a very familiar figure, bearing a, well, looks like a bunch of flowers. Supergirl sees this man and thinks, Why, it's Clark Kent, who's secretly my cousin Superman. He's all dressed in black. He seems to be in mourning, but... Which of his friends has died? Which indeed we'll find out very soon as we arrive at the top of page four. The caption for the first panel says, At a nearby funeral chapel. Yes, very interesting. Very reminiscent of the cover. Mm-hmm. We don't see the coffin. We don't see the priest. But we do see Batman and Robin. We do see Jimmy Olsen and Lucy Lane. We see Perry. We see Lois Lane. All looking very sad as they sit in the pews. Clark is walking forward, bearing this little wreath of flowers. And he's saying out loud, Poor Supergirl. <sighs> Cut down in the prime of her life. Such a promising career ended. Supergirl's behind him. She looks perplexed. She thinks, What's he saying? The next panel, she's reached forward, tries to take him by the arm, and she says, Clark, I'm right here beside you. I'm not dead. If this is a joke, I don't appreciate it. Do you hear me? Clark doesn't respond. Supergirl thinks in the next panel, I'm tugging at Clark's arm, but I'm not budging it. There can be only one explanation. This is a dream, a horrible nightmare. Maybe it's an imaginary story, Supergirl. And in the next panel, she looks very pained, as she thinks. I'll pinch myself awake. Ah, I certainly felt that. I'll open my eyes now and find myself back in bed at Stanhope. However, caption for the next panel says, But Supergirl is utterly dismayed to find... It hasn't worked, she thinks. It's not a dream. I, I am awake, yet no one's paying any attention to me. We can see the mourners starting to file out of the church. We see Batman, we see Clark, a couple of other folk. Supergirl cries, Clark, Lois, Batman, Mom, Dad, everybody, I'm here, alive. Can't you see or hear me? And she's crying in the first panel of page five as she thinks. Tears. I I feel the wetness of my own tears. Can a dead person cry? Can a dead person cry? This is the most quotable album title, (laughs) joke, inspiring story we've ever done. Yep, so far. Can a dead person cry? Anyway, panel two of page five has a caption that says, Outside in the hall. Another one, outside in the hall. That's another album just waiting to happen. Yep. We see a, a little table with a little urn on top of it, but there's a mirror on the wall behind it. Supergirl walks towards all this, thinking, Am I an invisible ghost? Is that why no one can see me? 
That mirror will tell me if I can force myself to look, but what if I do and I don't see a reflection? Well, thankfully, she does have a reflection. She thinks in panel three... I, I see myself. I do cast a reflection. Then why didn't anyone else see or hear me? Why didn't Clark feel my hand tugging his arm? The next panel, we're outside the funeral chapel. Supergirl takes to the air. We can see the mourners on the pavement below her, she thinks. No one out here seems to see me either. But I won't give up. I must find out whether I'm alive or... Or really dead. And then the caption for the next panel, final panel of page five, says... Supergirl's fearful quest leads her to her unique super steed. This is a great panel. We see Comet the Super Horse. I believe, is this his Earth 2 podcast debut? It certainly is. Tremendous. Although if it hadn't been, I would have had to say, nay. <laughs> Comet, if you don't know him, listeners, he's a large white stallion with a Superman cape sort of attached to him by harness. We see him flying through the clouds looking very noble. I wonder if he's dialogue. I wonder if I'll get to see it. Ooh, it's exciting. Flying behind him, Supergirl spots him and thinks, It's Comet, my super horse. He has telepathic powers. I should be able to get through to him by thought transference. And in the first panel of page six, Supergirl has flown in front of Comet, and she says, It's me, Comet. Supergirl, I'm alive. You see me, don't you? You can read my thoughts. Give me some sign that... Well, it appears that you can read her thoughts because... he He's galloping right over me, as if I don't exist. He'd never lay a hoof on me if he knew I was here. I'll fly down to Earth. Yes, the next panel's hilarious. <laughs> Superhero flies in towards Earth, and then what we see is a ruckus going on. A Streaky the Supercat is having a scrap with half a dozen dogs. Amazing. Is this Streaky the Supercat's first appearance in the podcast? I can't remember. Yes, it is. And as all this is this nonsense is going on, Supergirl flies overhead and says, They're Streaky, my pet Supercat, charging through that pack of dogs. And are they surprised? The dogs say things like, Arf, arf! And, arf, arf yep, yep, yep! Arf, arf. And as she messes them up, Streaky, who's a bright orange ginger cat with a streak of yellow lightning effect on her side, Streaky is thinking, Out of the way, you bullies! Get your clumsy paws out of here! The next panel, Supergirl's down in payment, kneeling next to Streaky, trying to stroke him, and she says, It's me, Streaky. Can't you feel my hand rubbing your back just the way you like it? Then she continues in the next panel when Streaky doesn't respond. You didn't arch your back when I rubbed it. You're not purring as I scratch your whiskers. You can't feel my fingers. But surely you can smell me, Streaky. You have super sense. Streaky looks completely nonplussed. Completely ambivalent. He's, he doesn't seem to have any kind of reaction to what's going on whatsoever. A tiny caption tells us we are continued in the second page following. We pass an advertisement for Aurora model kits of characters such as Phantom of the Opera, Frankenstein's Monster, and The Forgotten Prisoner of Castle Mayor, which is yet another of my favourite Bruce Springsteen albums. We arrive at the top of page seven. Streaky's up to something. Now, when Supergirl was interrupting the Streaky versus Dogs fight, I failed to mention there was a what looked like a piece of paper on the ground. Supergirl now watches as Streaky almost lifts up this piece of paper, and she's thinking, Streaky's turning over the photo that the dogs were stepping on. It, it's one of me. I wonder where he found it. Yeah, sure enough, we see it's an image of Supergirl. And in the next panel, this is heartbreaking. We see that, well, Streaky's crying. He mows and he kind of chokes and he sniffs and tears drop from his eyes onto the photograph. Supergirl flies off, sadly, thinking, Poor Streaky, he, he's crying over me, just as if he knew I was dead. I, I can't bear to watch him. And as she flies off then, the caption for panel three of page seven says, As Supergirl continues on her fearful quest, Great shot of Supergirl flying through some clouds, as she thinks, 
strange. My X-ray vision isn't working. I can't see through this cloud. I'd better get below it before I crash into low-flying jets. Interesting. Why can't she see through the cloud, I wonder? The caption name for panel four. Descending toward Earth, the blonde blockbuster sights impending disaster. Yes, we see that she's flown down next to a rail line, but everything is not okay. Supergirl thinks... Uh-oh. Someone or something tore up the rail. The Metropolis Meteor won't see it in time to stop. It will barrel off the tracks in seconds, but I can warn it with a super shout. Yeah, it's a great panel, actually. We can see that some sleepers have been disturbed and the rail's been bent out of shape and broken. Is this the first rail line involving Superman family potential uh, disaster we've had in the podcast? There was a Justice League one, but I can't remember if Superman was involved in that one, but there was right. Gem Girl, one of those. Right. Oh, right. Aye, okay. Was that not the, the railway in Scotland that looked like a desert? Of course. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That was a good one. That was the one with the cabot-style Green Lantern, which I still laugh yes. at. Anyway, the final panel <laughs> of page seven is captioned. From the girl of steel's gaping mouth should come a thunderous din, but... Yes, it's clear that Supergirl is yelling as she lands in front of the speeding train. She has a big jaggedy speech bubble coming from her mouth, but it's empty. There's no sound. She thinks. No sound. The train's hurtling to its doom. My powers don't work. I can't save it. Oh, no. This would be an excellent cliffhanger ending. The first panel of page eight. Then, amazingly... We see the driver leaning out the window as he says, What? What made the train stop before it reached that broken rail? I didn't hit the brake, and there's no one in sight. Supergirl is encouraged, she thinks. My super shout was soundless, but its vibrations must have formed an air cushion that brought the train to a halt. She looks phenomenal the next panel she takes to the air. We can see people leaving the train in the background, as she thinks. I feel like I'm going mad, yet there must be an answer and I'll keep looking till I find it. I guess it doesn't matter where I go. Well, we <laughs> we start to take a bit of an interesting diversion now, listeners. The caption to panel three says... And the Maid of Might supersonic speed carries her to a familiar town. Now, this is very interesting. How to describe this, we see crowds of people all standing around and sat on what looks like bleachers. We can see a little square ring set up for a speaker in the middle of all this. We can see what looks like the army, a very old-fashioned looking army, all standing around. We can see a United States flag on a pole. As she beholds all of this, the Maid of Might thinks, It's Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, during the time of the Civil War. And there's President Abraham Lincoln, alive. Have I flown through the time barrier without realising it? And the next panel is a close-up of the famous Abraham Lincoln, as he is saying, Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent. But he's interrupted by the caption of the final panel of page eight, which says, Suddenly there is an ominous splintering sound. Yes, a giant crack fills the air. It looks like the, the bleachers, the seats are collapsing. A man cries, Help! Help! And Supergirl thinks, The wooden stand. It's buckling under the weight of the people. They'll be crushed. And then the caption for the first panel of page nine. Under the massive buckling stand, Supergirl hurls herself. Well, that's terrible English. Yes. I don't approve of that at all. Yes, Supergirl has flown down. She's caught hold of the stand, supporting it, and she thinks, My super strength is working. I'm holding up the stand while the people escape. Do they see me, or am I still a ghost? And we can see in the foreground of this panel, Honest Abe, with his speech in his hand, watching what takes place. The caption for the next panel then says, A few moments later, a meeting unrecorded in any history books. Phenomenal! President Lincoln shakes hands with Supergirl as he says, Magnificent, young lady. You were a female Atlas. Why, General Grant could have used you in his critical battles. You must visit us at the White House. 
Supergirl delightedly says, Thank you, Mr. President. Gosh, <laughs> well, the caption for the next panel says, As the historic Gettysburg Address continues, <laughs> Supergirl once again takes to the air, flying off, and she's a massive big thought bubble all to herself, as she thinks. I'm more confused than ever. There are no records of a stand collapsing during Lincoln's speech. And why did he speak of Grant's battles in the past tense? The war was still going on when he dedicated the cemetery at Gettysburg. Interesting. Little history lesson there. I'm sure all of our American listeners knew all of that. I certainly didn't. Panel 4. Supergirl's flying over the ocean now. Nice panel. She's thinking, At least I was seen, yet I didn't solve the mystery. Only deepened it. Hmm. If I am in the past, Napoleon III should be in power in France. I'll see. And so, the caption for the final panel, page 9. Shortly. We are shown Supergirl up in air arriving en Francais. And we can see a young girl in the front of the panel wearing medieval-style armour. She is short here. There's a few gentlemen around her on horseback. Lances, the horses are covered up. The men are wearing armour. The girl looks very like the American singer Jane Weedlin. I was going to say that. <laughs> Supergirl, as she flies down, is thinking, It's Joan of Arc, surrounded by English soldiers, yet this time I know I didn't penetrate the time barrier to her era, the 15th century. As the enemy horsemen taunt the Maid of Orleans... And we see one of the soldiers on horseback saying to Joan, Is this the heroic Joan? Fight, or be hacked to pieces by our blades. Joan stands defiantly, and she says, I do not unsheath my sword to shed blood, only to point the way to victory for my army. One of the other soldiers cries, Die then! And then the caption for panel two says, But from Supergirl comes a searing blast of heat vision. <laughs> This is a great panel. Supergirl's up in the air. Look at the whole sky's turned red as she blasts her heat vision and melts the swords of a couple of the soldiers. One of the soldiers cries, it, It's witchcraft. And the second one says, Our swords melting like hot butter. And then, oh, it gets even better. The caption for panel three. A titanic gust of super breath from the girl of steel and... Yes, with a roo, Kara blows, and all of the English soldiers and horses go flying up into the air. The Jane Wheatland lookalike on the ground says, I have never seen such power. You hurl them like a tidal wave, but what a strange costume you wear. She talks very like Wonder Woman, I've noticed. Yes. The next panel, Joan of Arc and Supergirl are in conversation as Joan says, Will you join my army, maid? Together, we can scatter the enemies of La Belle France like chaff. I can't, Joan. An urgent mission takes me elsewhere, but... I'll never forget meeting you. The caption for the final panel of page 10. Again, Supergirl sets out on her tour of mystery. Supergirl once again flying. Close up. She looks very thoughtful. Why should Abraham Lincoln and Joan of Arc be able to see me? Both are long dead. What's the answer? Are we all ghosts? Listeners, you might be wondering, is this the unexpected Supergirl Bill and Ted crossover? Sadly... Socrates and Jim Martin from Faith No More do not turn up on the next page. The caption for the first panel of page 11 says, Next, Supergirl's flight takes her to Old Cathay. We can see some very, very nicely drawn ornamental Chinese buildings and a fancy nice tree and a crowd of people watching as a gentleman sets off something that whooshes past Supergirl with a blaze of heat. And Supergirl very helpfully thinks, There's a switch. Sir Isaac Newton, the famous British scientist, is instructing the Chinese who actually invented gunpowder in the firing of rockets. That never happened in history. I'll land. She lands indeed in the next panel. 
at the bottom of a little flight of steps. Isaac Newton's about to set off another big, scary rocket. Supergirl observes this and thinks, At last, things are beginning to add up. Isaac sees her and cries, Stand back, lass. These rockets are tricky. And there's a sound effect as he lights the fuse. The next panel, the rocket goes flying up into the air with a whoosh. Isaac Newton says, Jove, the rocket is reversing its direction. Flee for your lives, everyone. And he says to Supergirl, Hurry, lass. Don't just stand there. Don't just stand there is definitely the name of a Whitehall farce advertised over the tail end of open all hours, isn't it? Yes. The caption for panel four says, Unhesitatingly, Supergirl streaks skyward. As the maid of might bears herself towards the rocket, she's thinking, I must stop that giant rocket from exploding in the crowd. And then the caption for the final panel of page 11 says, And the dauntless girl of steel is caught in a rending explosion. Yes, there is a massive ram and a burst of yellow and orange lights. And Supergirl herself turns red from the force of it. As we arrive at the top of page 12, Peter gets to start delivering an awful lot of exposition. The caption for panel one says, Out of a titanic whirlpool of force hurtles Supergirl. Supergirl is once again flying over the ocean. We can see something floating in front of her. And she thinks, There's Apollo 15, the astronaut's capsule. Newton's exploding rocket hurled me back to where I started from. My own Earth. Her, her own Earth? <gasps> she gets a close-up as she flies still further in the next panel, as she very helpfully and very long-windedly thinks, The first explosion of the hostile spacecraft must have blasted me to a negative world. It's an exact duplicate of our Earth, except that every person who is alive here is a negative human there. And when a person dies on our Earth, his negative double on their world becomes a normal positive being unseen by the negative people and mourned by them as dead. She continues <laughs> in the next panel. That's why Lincoln, Joan and Newton were alive and could see me. When I entered that world, my negative double vanished, so her friends thought she was dead. But now that I've left, the negative Supergirl has probably returned to her world. Yes, big emphasis on the probably there. I look forward to Peter Nye's forthcoming DC comic when we write the revenge of the negative Supergirl. Mm -hmm. The vengeful, upset and angry, bitter, horribly costumed Supergirl from this Abraham Lincoln Earth arrives to take her revenge on our Supergirl. Supergirl has spotted a very petite, fancy, daily planet helicopter, which is inexplicably in the middle of the ocean. And she continues to think, Here comes Clark Kent in the Daily Planet's flying newsroom. Now to see if I'm right. And she flies up beside the helicopter. It's a great shot of the, obviously, the rotor blades disturbing her hair in the breeze. It's very nice. And Clark sees Supergirl, waves and says, Hi, Supergirl. Anything exciting happen? And Supergirl replies, No, Clark, nothing unusual. The splashdown was perfect. And she thinks, But do I have a story to tell him later? Of a negative Clark mourning a living, positive Supergirl. And a tiny caption says, The, the end. end. Gosh, Willikers. What do you think of that then, Pete <laughs> That is probably the most nonsensical story we've done. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of fun, utterly ridiculous. What was Kanagar on? Yes. <laughs> when I was reading it in preparation, my immediate thought was, this reminds me of Superman's greatest feats. Yeah. Uh -huh. A Superman character... Back in time, historical mm -hmm. characters, blah, 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 weird stuff happening. Yeah. Reveal, oh, it's all in a parallel world. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened here, including Abraham Lincoln. Very disposable, but some, you know, some nice imagery, I suppose. Mm -hmm. It's perhaps disappointing that the cover doesn't play out exactly in the, the episode, as it were. 
Yeah. Well done for getting through that those little exposition <laughs> thought bubbles there. Tremendous. Round of applause. Round of applause yeah. for Peter, everyone. It's always fun when you see a panel and about three quarters of the panel is, is a thought bubble. <laughs> and the rest of it is just uh, the close-up of Supergirl's face. Yes. Actually, the close-ups of Supergirl's face in this reminds me very much of Carmen Infantino's work. Yes. She looks stunning. Mm -hmm. There's another story in this issue by Kurt Schaffenberger, which is yeah. very much in his Archie style. Yeah. His Marvel family style that you know we'll see mm -hmm. a bit more of eventually. It's very nice, but Supergirl herself in this story we've just covered looks very delicately featured, very, very well drawn. Yeah. In our prep, Peter highlighted the final panel of page 10 and sort of said how Carmine-like she looked. Mm. The artwork was, was really, really nice. I think the artwork was yeah. probably the best thing about the story. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh -huh. Told the story really, really well. Admittedly, Supergirl had a lot of exposition, thought mm -hmm. bubbles, but you know, we'd prefer that to captions that tell us what we're seeing, you know? Very true, very true, yeah. It's quite a neat history lesson for kids, this one. Mm. Definitely, you get about the Gettysburg Address, you get a bit about Joan of Arc. Bear in mind... The audience for this that they're writing for were predominantly kids. It's quite fun to actually put a bit of edutainment, dare we say, into their comics. Yes. So, yeah, it's good. I quite enjoyed that. To be honest, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the explanation. <laughs> Every person who's alive here is a negative human there. When a person dies yeah. in our earth, his negative double on their world because... No so someone, if someone dies in our world, they're brought into existence. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that they're, all the people who were at Gettysburg are sort of immortal? Entrapped in a, an endless recycling reenactment. Looks like it. Is Joan of Arc and all the, the English soldiers trapped in a purgatory mm -hmm. of perpetual combat. Yeah, it's good that Isaac Newton thought, "No, I'm going to go on some. I'm going to go on my holidays." Yep, let's go for a wander. That's great. Always fancied going to China. I thought Isaac. <laughs> yeah, this is the point where I have to say the cover, especially mm -hmm. when I was doing my prep, it reminded me of a story which I first read in a book that was published. Tail end of 1981, Peter Davison was about to arrive as the fifth Doctor Who. And world distributors in the UK were the people who published the yearly Doctor Who annual. And they published a nice, big, thick, mm -hmm. chunky compendium that reprinted a lot of old stories featuring the first four Doctors and had a lovely cover that was adapted from one of the other annuals. And some stories from Bill Hartnell, from Patrick Troughton's Doctor, from John Petries, and quite a few from Tom Baker's. And there was a third Doctor comic strip in it, which was originally printed in the Doctor Who annual 1975, which, of course, was published in 1974. It's the one with the, the photograph of Jonesy in the quarry from Planet of the Daleks on the cover, an inset from the Sea Devils, photograph on the back of Jonesy from the Sea Devils, and it features a story called Dead on Arrival. Mm -hmm. I was almost tempted to ask Peter if we wanted to do this for the episode as well. <laughs> this story, I will summarise it very quickly. Some cosmic dust interferes with the TARDIS and Joe gets sent essentially through a gap in the space-time continuum. And the Doctor says in some exposition, Everything in the universe has an alternate state of reflection, if you like. That planet was an exact replica of Earth, but with an entirely different molecular plane, which why no one could see or hear you. Yeah, so there are very similar moments when Joe Grant, as played by Katie Manning, and who'd been out of the programme for like a year and a half by the time this book was published, yeah. is sent to, a, in effect, a parallel reality. And there is a scene with the Doctor taking flowers into her church and we see Joe's corpse in an open coffin. Ah, okay. Joe tries to speak to the doctor, puts her arm on his shoulder, but she falls right through him, Rather, you know, which leads to Joe mm -hmm. thinking that she's a ghost. And eventually our doctor in our universe manages to break through, make contact with this parallel duplicate, which leads to him being able to come through to this other universe and rescue Joe, blah, blah, blah. Gosh. There are some aliens involved who get blown up when their spaceship can't make it through the hole in the space-time continuum. And it all finishes with Joe suggesting a cup of tea and the Brigadier looking sceptical. So I was reminded of the imagery 
of the, the almost funeral yes. situation. We may post some panels from that on our social media, just for comparison. I think it will, to, to give us another day's content <laughs> and maybe to try and get some Doctor Who fans to listen to the, the podcast. It made me wonder if the, the writer of that Doctor Who story had read issue 383 of Adventure Comics. May well have done, you never know, you never know. Indeed. This one, have a wee look at how Supergirl travels between the universes here. Basically, it's the exploding spaceship. Yes. Transfers her in the first instance. But when she comes back, it's just Newton's rocket mm. just blowing up mm-hmm. that brings her back. Yeah. Interesting. It is. It's worth adding to your big list of different ways that people can transfer to parallel universes. Oh, it certainly is. It's interesting we don't find out who the people in the UFO who are trying to kidnap Apollo 15 were. Yes. Maybe they were the aliens that caused a bit of trouble for Doctor Who and Joe Grant. May have been. Mm. Shunted sideways in time. When Pizzi and I have established ourselves as successful comic book creators, we will make sure that the BBC and DC Comics can come together and we will write a Supergirl Third Doctor Joe Grant crossover comic that will explain all of this. Perfect. Yes. Going back to the story, though, mm. I find the scene where Supergirl sucks the dust out of the girl's eye absolutely <laughs> bizarre. Because when I first read it, I was convinced it was going to be a speck of red kryptonite that was going to cause all of the nonsense. Because ah, red kryptonite ah. has unexpected effects on Kryptonians. Yes, that's right. For a period of 40 hours, usually. Uh-huh. And I thought that might be the case of she inhales that and then has an effect and then she ends up in a parallel world. Or she becomes this ghost-like entity yes. uh, that no one can interact with. Yeah. As I was reading it for the first time, I th- that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. But it turned out it was just a red herring. Mm. Yeah, I mean, of course, if it had turned out to be a red kryptonite side effects, we probably wouldn't have done the story. <laughs> if it transferred us to another universe, we would have. The red kryptonite would have transferred us to another universe, is that what you mean? Yeah. All uh-huh. oh, right, okay, that's fine. I'll just let you mention she was, she was going to have had a, a hallucinogenic trip caused by the red kryptonite. <laughs> Well, you know. Welcome to the, the Red Kryptonite podcast. Mm. I would listen to the Red Kryptonite podcast. Probably. Oh, yeah, I'd be all over that. Huh? I very quickly, I don't know if I've said this already, I want this is completely relevant, but I just want to say at this point, listeners, check out the Brandon Peters podcast, especially a segment which he's doing at the moment called The Summer of 82 at 40, where he and Forbes film critic Scott Mendelson go through the, the movies that were released in America in the summer of 1982, because it was 40 years ago. It's fascinating. That's an aside and a podcast recommendation. It does exist. Check it out. It's brilliant. There you are. I should say as well, I did enjoy the the random assemblage of historical personages that had a mm-hmm. striking re- resemblance to some of the people who appeared in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite amusing. Two of them was quite good. It's a shame it wasn't someone else from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It was the third person that we saw. And if only Socrates had turned up. Maybe Billy the Kids with some dynamite or something could have been yeah. enough to, to send Supergirl mm-hmm. back through. That would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> and would have meant I could have posted even more photographs of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> sadly not. Sadly not. not to worry. Ah, well. Shall we move on to the letters page for this story? Yes, that's an excellent idea. Now, conveniently, the letters page is from issue 387 of Adventure Comics. Listeners, stay tuned. The letters for this comic are fascinating. Correspondence about Supergirl's hair and a letter from someone called The Fish asking if there's such a <laughs> thing as brown kryptonite in liquid form. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> yes, made me feel okay. There is one tiny letter about the story we've just done. Pizzi's going to read it to you. <laughs> Dear Editor, on page 7 of the first story in number 383, there are two views of a Supergirl photo. In the first, her eyes are open. In the second, they are closed. 
And that's from L.A. from Youngstown, Ohio. Compared to all the correspondence that Pete and I had to get through for the last two issues of Justice League, <laughs> I feel very short-changed here. The editorial response then to that stunning missive is, One thing is sure, your eyes were open. But we think maybe the artist should have his eyes examined. Wow. Editor, that's the level of discourse we got for that story. We should say as well that this letter column is called Super Female. Mm. F-E hyphen M-A-I-L. How modern. This letter column is very much like the old Wonder Woman columns that we used to read before it got all controversial. and Before it got all internet forumy. Yeah, and filled with future creators' letters, mm. which was fascinating. But before all that, it was like, I like Wonder Woman's hair. Yes. And that sort of thing. I like Wonder Woman's hair as well. It's one of my favourite aspects of the character. Anyway, <laughs> that was what the contemporary readers had to say about issue 383 of Adventure Comics. <laughs> but what do you have to say about it? Please get in touch and let us know. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we'll be putting up some lovely bonus material for this episode. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. Yep, if you're feeling generous, you could go to wherever it is you receive your podcast and give us a positive, glowing review. That would be lovely. If you're feeling even more generous, you could go to our coffee page and buy Pizzi the price of a beverage. Make sure you check out the, the socials this week. We'll have a special gallery of Abraham Lincoln comic book covers to tie in with his appearance in the story. And, of course, I've managed to track down a couple of reprint covers from foreign territories. They're always nice to, to stick up and put out into the world for folks hey, who might not have seen them. Cool. So, yes, lots of fun. Supergirl will be back before you know it, listeners. And on that note, I've been Peter. I've been David. And you've been listening to... The, the Earth, Earth 2, 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. The train has drawn to a halt. We see the driver leaning out of the cabin, demanding a pay rise in better conditions and insisting that he interrupts Peter's route to work. Sorry, satire. <laughs>